Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Jen Landry. Jen is the owner and CEO of Mom's Fit Life. Welcome, Jen. Good morning. How are you doing today? Good morning, Brad. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here with me today and share a little bit about your story and your journey with us here today. I'm anxious to jump in and excited to have you here. So thank you for being here with me today. Yeah, thank you. This is wonderful. So as I stated, you are the owner and CEO of Mom's Fit Life. You're also certified in postpartum corrective exercise. And last but certainly not least, you yourself are a mom of two young girls. I'm curious, for those who might not know or be aware of it, Jen, what is postpartum corrective exercise and what is the goal of a corrective exercise specialist? Yeah, so great question. So with personal training, you know, everybody kind of has an idea of what a personal trainer is. And then within that field, there can be lots of people who have specialties and work with certain clientele and stuff. And so a postpartum corrective exercise specialist in the personal training world is that I am a personal trainer first and foremost, but my focus is to help women who have had babies or gone through a pregnancy of any kind regain their strength and help their bodies, you know, recover in a way that most people don't know we as women need to recover. You have pelvic floor physical therapists and you have therapy and that's great. And you have your OBGYNs and all that, but I'm kind of that next step of, okay, you've had your six weeks clearance. You've worked with your OB. Now you want to get back into exercise, but we need to do so in a safe manner. And so why have you decided to focus your energy and business on pregnant, postpartum, and everyday women specifically? Now, you have a specialized certification in your tool belt. So obviously you sought this certification out for a specific reason. Did this journey into this world begin with some of your own personal struggles? Yes, it definitely did. So as you mentioned before, I'm a mom of two and my girls are six and three. And with my first, I would say the pregnancy overall in terms of like my physical capabilities and lifting and all that was what I thought at the time relatively normal. I didn't have a whole lot of issues, you know, some of the issues that people have are like leaking or back pain or hip pain or all kinds of various things like that. But it took me a really long time after she was born to kind of feel like the physical activity that I was doing 
was back to the same level that I had done prior to her. It took me probably about a year before I felt like I got my speed back in running and I was able to do all the same lifting that I had been doing prior. And can, that I, kind can, of I just, can I just interrupt you for a second there? Yeah. Is that normal that it would take that long? Like, I mean, your body, you women are, are miracles. Like what you women do and I mean- you have children, you bear children. So your body's been through a hell of a lot. So is that is that a normal time frame? Normal is a hard word in okay. pregnancy and postpartum. So okay. it can be, it just okay. kind of depends. And kind of like what I was saying too, I was kind of thrown by how long it took me because I'm a trainer. I feel like I've taken all the certifications. I knew all the pregnancy stuff. And it took me that long to feel like my training was back to pre-pregnancy. And then, you know, but I was kind of like, all right, well, maybe for me, it just took a year. And then when I had my second, I had, aside from prolapse, I had every problem. I leaked. My back was killing me. I had hip issues. And then after she was born, my back pain was unbearable. Like if I could avoid putting her in the crib and make my husband do it, I had to. Wow. Um, Yeah. And a lot of it, if I look back to my first pregnancy, probably stemmed from not doing the right things the first time. Okay. And then you add on the second time and I'm still not doing the right things. So I actually did go the route of my primary care And then she sent me to a pelvic floor therapist and I was still only getting so far and I was still having the hip pain and the back pain. So I was like, there's got to be something I'm missing. So I did some research and I found this certification and it essentially changed my life. (laughs) That's huge. Yes. Because in pelvic floor therapy, I think should be standard care. Okay. And It's not, but it can only get you so far, especially if you're an athlete, because after a certain point, you know, you either run out of sessions, your insurance stops paying for it, or just in general, they're so specific that it just can only take you so far. So like it helped a ton for sure, but it was still not quite the solution that my body needed. And so finding this certification was just mind blowing in so many ways. So you're saying for athletes, you need more. So for someone, for a woman who's not an athlete, is pelvic floor therapy the answer? And is that going to be enough for someone who's not an athlete and doesn't need to get back to a certain condition of their body in that way? Well, let me say this. So when I say athlete, I mean Mm -hmm. anyone who wants to exercise. If you are working out in my book, that's an athlete. Now, There are definitely like you think, you know, I run, I'm trying to run a ton of half marathons and stuff. So that's a little bit more strenuous and that's going to take a little bit more or like a weightlifter or an Olympian definitely cannot just stop at pelvic floor therapy, but that needs to be a continuation of their strength training and their weightlifting and their, you know, running and cardio and all of that. Now, if you are a woman who does pelvic floor therapy and you maybe just walk around with your kids at the park or something at most, you're probably going to be fine with the pelvic floor therapy. But you would recommend pelvic floor therapy for every woman after pregnancy. Yes, I, yeah, 100%. I wish 
it was like, oh, you're cleared by your OB to go see your pelvic floor therapist. <laughs> so what are the, I mean, what can be done if, if you think this is so important? And I've heard a lot of other women talk about this as well and the importance of it. What can be done to start to move the needle on this? Like how, how do women or how do we move this forward to make it mandatory or make it part of the aftercare once once women have given birth? Well, for starters, like your platform is awesome. And having this conversation with me is a great way to do it. I think the more you get people talking and the more they realize how important it is and how much more it is necessary. And it's no fault of like an OBGYN or anything, but their education is limited up to a certain point. Right. And you know, if they have multiple women coming in all the time being like, hey, I heard about this. Should I do it? You know, my friend was doing it and it helped her. Then that Obi might be a little bit more likely to start recommending it herself, you know, make yeah. it part of her practice, even if insurance isn't necessarily on board. And I think just the conversations need to be had. With what you went through with your two pregnancies, how have these experiences helped shape the gen you are today, do you think, with what you went through and dealt with both personally and professionally? So <laughs> it definitely changed a lot because I think the first kind of holy crap moment. <laughs> you could you could swear, Jen, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that moment for me was like, I thought that, you know, because I, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, but I have one of the top certifications in the business. And I okay. went to school for like, I have a kinesiology degree, which is the study of human movement. Right. So, you know, I thought going into my first pregnancy, I knew what I needed to know about the human body. And I could not have been more wrong. And to me, that was kind of like, here I am thinking, oh, I'm a top level trainer. I have all the experience. I have way more education than most. And I didn't know this. Like that to me was just so shocking that it's not that prevalent. It's starting to get there. And, you know, I think as sports and everything develop too, I think it will start to become part of the process of being a female in sports, in workouts, in exercise. But I just couldn't believe like how little I actually knew. I think everybody kind of hears the, okay, don't lay on your back for an extended period of time when you're working out, you know, while you're pregnant, especially in the third trimester. Obviously, you can't lay on your belly, so you got to get creative. You can do what you were doing before you got pregnant to the same level while you're pregnant. But beyond that, there isn't much that people know. And so it kind of made me go, okay, you don't know everything, obviously. Yeah. And if I don't know this, how many other women are missing this information? Now, when you say it's not that prevalent, you're referring to pelvic floor therapy, right? I mean, pelvic floor therapy for sure too, but also just like the knowledge of what it takes to recover from something okay. like pregnancy and birth and how to start incorporating you know, some of that work with even like little girls. So that come time for them to be in the puberty stages and the birthing stages and all that, they are more prepared for it and their bodies. And I'm not saying that you're talking to little kids about your pelvic floor, but if no. you're teaching them better ways to control their 
abs and their core and really helping them learn how to position their body as a female Mm -hmm. in sport, then later in life, when you're doing something like going through a pregnancy, you have that awareness and that control. So start educating the girls when they're young about controlling your core, controlling your abs, positioning, all of that stuff. Right. And then even like having it become part of like a sex ed education, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And breathing is such a big component to it. And so for me, a lot of what I think isn't known so much, especially among trainers is how just practicing your breathing can change so many of these issues for women. And having that core understanding that's deeper than just, hey, let's do some crunches. It's how do you connect the diaphragm and the pelvic floor to the core? How do you get that all working as that canister that is your trunk? So what would you say was the biggest or most valuable takeaway or lesson for you from these experiences? how powerful breathing can be. You know, it seems so normal. It just seems like, ah, I know how to breathe. (laughs) Right. And it is probably one of the hardest things that I've ever had to try and do. And it's not just like, okay, you and I are talking and I'm taking a breath occasionally. It's, you know, like I said, how do you get those components of that canister to work together? So when you take an exhale, are all the parts of your abs, because you have five different components to your core, are they working in unison the way they're supposed to? Or are some of them checked out? You know, are you leading more with those six pack abs right down the middle and all that too. And it's just how hard breathing can be, but how beneficial it can be. Incredible. Like you said, it seems so simple. I just breathe, but there's a lot more to it. Right. And especially once you've been pregnant, you think about what the baby does to like your rib cage and your diaphragm and your abs. The first thing you can do, you know, the day you come home from the hospital is start to practice that proper breathing to help bring all that back to a homeostasis that is good for your body. Excellent. Now, can you talk to us a little bit about Mom's Fit Life when you started the business? Tell us about your business and the work you do with your clients. Yeah. So I have done Mom's Fit Life now for almost two full years, although I've been a trainer for almost 13 now. And I started the business as I had just finished that certification because it was just so mind-blowing to me how little I knew in the field, which means that that's how little other trainers know, and even less as just your general population females. And so I wanted to start it because the word needs to get out. You know, we already have so much stacked against us and giving birth is an amazing thing. And, you know, you think about if you break a bone or you dislocate a shoulder, like what is the process for healing that? You go to therapy, you have lots of rehab, people are taking care of you and they're not just like putting your shoulder back in place and calling it a day, you know, and why aren't women treated the same way? Very true. Now, with your expertise, Jen, what are a couple of things that women who might be going through or are dealing with some of these things that you've mentioned that they can implement or put into practice or start doing immediately in order to start helping themselves get back to what they were 
Well, the first and foremost is please forget bounce back culture. It is so evil and it can really mess with everybody. And you are different from the person sitting next to you. You are different from pregnancy from one to two. You are different. You know, it's just like if you were to go run a 5K in 80 degree weather versus 30 degree weather, it's going to be a different race, but it's still a 5K. You know, so stop comparing yourself to others so that you can be in your body and present and then think about things like learning how to breathe properly again. So finding someone who can teach you that or finding the right resource to learn that. And these are things that can be done before your doctor says you're cleared for exercise. Like you can do them in the hospital even. You can do them while you're birthing to make the birth easier. You can do things like that. And there are some core exercises even that are gentle enough that you can start doing at home that are not going to set you back. In fact, they're going to set you up for a better foundation when that six-week clearance comes in. What benefits then would women get out of coming to see you? And is it advised to work with a pelvic floor therapist as well as coming to work with you in addition to coming to work with you? So I believe firmly that yes, I think that having both is wonderful. I always tell people to go have a pelvic floor evaluation even before six weeks because they will know what they can or cannot do before that six weeks. And that six weeks is actually starting to be discussed about being shifted a little. So that six-week mark is not necessarily like a good mark for everybody. Seeing a pelvic floor therapist before that is actually going to be more beneficial because what an OBGYN is looking for at that six-week mark is basically that the dinner size plate injury that you have internally is healing. And for the average person, it takes about six weeks. So they are not looking at like the status of your pelvic floor. They are not looking for things like a diastasis recti. They are not looking for any of that. They are strictly looking at that internal injury and say, or if you've had a C-section, they're looking at that scar to say it's healing, everything's good. So seeing a pelvic floor therapist can give you a really good idea of like the status of your pelvic floor, how in tune you are to that, how much control you have of your core, your pelvic floor, all of that. And even if you only go and get one single appointment with a pelvic floor therapist, that's a lot more information for me to work with to help you. And if I can like work with your pelvic floor therapist, that's even better where they say, okay, tell Jen that X, Y, and Z is happening. And then I can find exercises, you know, that can address some of that. And then I can tell them, okay, take this back to your PT that we've been working on this and it's bothering you so that they can explore those routes. And we can go back and forth and help the person that much better. So how does a physical therapist, just a regular PT, differ from a pelvic floor therapist? I mean, it's just kind of like, you know, a specialty. You know, you have some PTs who might be like shoulder specific or knee specific. However, a pelvic floor therapist does do some internal work on women's pelvic floor. Now, what are the advantages of doing pelvic floor exercises for women? What are some of the advantages? So what happens is, like if I take stretching, for example, if you have something like a muscle that's tight all the time and you're doing all this stretching and you stretch 
for 10 minutes every day and it feels better like right after you stretch and kind of like throughout the day it starts to get tight again and then the next day you have to repeat it well that means that there's something going on that's like a muscle imbalance so something keeps pulling that muscle into that tightened state and so by doing same thing with the pelvic floor so you're gonna have some tightness or pain or weakness or whatever and so doing some of those exercises will either help fix the imbalance and allow that tightness to relax because you're now instead of the body tugging on itself it's kind of in a good position and it feels good or if you're weak in your pelvic floor And that's sometimes like where prolapse happens, where it feels like your internal organs and sometimes they can will fall out if you don't strengthen that pelvic floor to help support them. I'm baffled why this isn't more common knowledge for women. I mean, women have been giving birth since the dawn of time. Like, I don't understand why this isn't common knowledge, why why this isn't put out there more for women if it's so damn important. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And I a hundred percent feel the same frustration. And again, I think it's like what I said earlier, where an OBGYN, their studies only go to a certain point and then you're kind of released to your own devices and you'll get an OB who might be a little bit more thorough or might have this knowledge and go, hey, you need to do this and I'd highly recommend it. And same thing with like the PTs, they're kind of stuck in this like, well, if somebody's not recommending them or the insurance doesn't tell them we exist. There's no way for a PT to be like, hey, by the way, come see us. And I think it's just a lot of, you know, the problem with medicine in general is you have a lot of hard stops. You know, the surgeon can only do so much. Then the PT has to take over and they can only do so much. And then, you know, and you're like kind of limited in your window. But the OBGYN and the and the PT, they know that pelvic floor therapists exist. So why wouldn't that just be a natural step for them to recommend after they've done their work? Because as you say, they have a limited breadth of how far they can take you. So why wouldn't that just be a natural, you know, yeah. and I'm not, I don't know that you really know why, but I'm just, I'm baffled that this isn't just part of the process for women after pregnancy. Like no, it's mind boggling. Yes, it is. And I do not have a good answer for you. And the first time that I discovered pelvic floor therapist was from my primary, not even an OB. Wow. So yeah, it was like a whole brand new experience. I didn't even know it existed prior to that. Jesus. You know, I think sometimes too, it's unfortunate in, you know, the medical world that you only get a certain amount of time with your doctor for every appointment. And I think if you don't ask, they don't necessarily remember to say. And this needs, this needs to be talked about that. Like I'm not even a woman and I'm, I'm frustrated. Like it's like women are, I mean, it's fucking mind boggling to me. Right. And it's just like I said, you know, I've had ACL reconstruction you know, basically a knee surgery. And within three days of surgery, they're like, you need to be at PT. Well, what's the difference between giving birth? Why is it that three days later, I'm not at a PT? Yeah. I mean, like I said, women have been giving birth since the dawn of time. Women are the glue that holds society together. And women are, it's almost like they're just, okay, you had your, you've had your baby now go back to regular life. And they're just, it's almost like, and I don't want to use this word discarded, but It's like, fuck, come on, people. Right. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's even hard to, 
as a trainer, walk into like your LA fitness or your planet fitness and see other trainers and be like, oh my God, what you're doing with that poor woman is going to make it 10 times worse for her after. But like, they just don't know. And somehow that information is not as prevalent as it needs to be. Well, like you said, I guess just like everything else, it all has to start around conversation and talking about it to bring awareness around the topic. So I guess you just have to keep putting it out there and keep talking about things like this to bring the awareness around it to help women. Yeah. I mean, and that's, you know, that was such a big, like, if I didn't know this, how many other women don't know? Yeah. Yeah. And it needs to be known, you know, and I, I've been working with somebody who we've been working on some of the similar issues she has not had a baby yet, but it will help when she does. Right. But she, she talks about, she goes to a CrossFit gym as well. And she talks about how on days where people jump rope, the women are joking about buying period underwear so that they don't pee their pants. That's horrible. Absolutely it, horrible. Yeah. And it doesn't matter how many times she tells them to go see a pelvic floor therapist or go see like someone like me. Yeah, You know, they're like, they're happy because that's kind of the norm right now is that like, oh, once you have a baby, you're just going to pee your pants. So the norm needs to be fucking changed. Exactly. That's, holy shit. That is ridiculous. That's just accepted. Yeah. And it's just the culture right now that that is, you know, that's what people expect as the norm. And it's, <sighs> and it is common but it doesn't have to be normal or for life. Can you briefly explain, you mentioned diastasis recti. Can you b briefly explain what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about a six pack on somebody and you mm -hmm. have that line down the middle that divides the two sides, that's called a linea alba. And it's just some tissue between the abs that helps keep the abs together. Well, when you're pregnant, that opens, that gets widened, it gets stretched out. And that's a diastasis is the separation at that line. So you think about your perfect male model who has the six pack right down the center and it's perfectly tight. Well, in a pregnant woman, it can get up to like four fingers wide or even wider. And then it just depends per person on if it recovers on its own after baby or if you have to work at it a little bit to bring that separation and make that linea alba functional again. What are a few of the most common issues you see in the women who come to work with you? So usually I don't see the ones who do the leaking or prolapse because usually when it's that bad, they do somehow manage to find their way to a pelvic floor therapist if they're not just okay with it. <laughs> <laughs> so I usually see people who are experiencing things like hip pain, back pain, kind of like the painful things that doctors can't quite figure out why it hurts. You know, okay. the x-rays don't show injury or anything like that. Right. And so usually I'm seeing a lot of people who have pain or that diastasis that they just can't, you know, seem to figure out. Do you have suggestions then, since you, you work with women about that have back pain, hip pain, do you have any suggestions for gaining back strength in your hips and core postpartum? 
It really kind of just depends on the per person. You know, there are definitely like working on proper breathing and stuff, which can be a really great abdominal exercise if you can learn how to do it right. And there are some other core exercises that are wonderful across the board. And I think they should be, you know, just for everybody. But it's going and getting an assessment and having somebody look at where's your pain and then putting you through the proper movement assessment that's not just squats and lunges. And then getting an idea of like what isn't firing and what is over firing and where that imbalance is going forward. Now, what would be your recommendation then for women wanting to get back into working out post-birth? Again, I always say at the very least, go to the pelvic floor therapy and then take your time and listen to your body is the biggest thing. You know, I think so many people and it comes down to that bounce back culture So many people are like, oh, six weeks, let's go. And that's not the case necessarily for everybody. You know, try things out. If it feels funny or it hurts more, then, you know, you're not ready for that yet. And that is okay. You know, and I think it's just kind of like, take your time, listen to your body, feel things out, and just make sure that it feels good for you to do it. Are there any specific tools or books that have really helped you on your journey? I can't say that there are a ton of books or anything out there at the moment that I'm aware of, but the certification was huge for me. And then just making sure to, you know, if I were not a trainer, I think it would be like learning about what makes a good trainer and not just do they keep showing people who have lost a ton of weight with them, but like look at their certifications, see if they're constantly having to learn because that's what's important is things in the fitness world change. Like there are exercises that I was doing with clients 10 years ago that I won't go anywhere near anymore. And there's exercises that were 10 years ago were like, absolutely do not do that. And the more I've learned, I'm like, well, I can do it in this variation and I, it's not going to harm that same level. You know, so I think it's kind of having an understanding of do the research about certifications for trainers, you know, don't just pick one that's cute or that you get along <laughs> with. You have to get along with them, but yeah. you want to make sure that there's more to them, you know, behind the scenes. Yeah, for sure. Jen, what do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? It's always so hard to talk about yourself, but (laughs) in this way, but I think that I don't stop until I find an answer. So, you know, I had the hip pain and it was like, okay, I went to my primary care and she sent me to the pelvic floor therapist and it still wasn't working. So that's when I found this certification and started diving in on my own a little bit. And I found that answer and I got my hip fixed, but then that led me to the next thing. And like, I'm not going to stop until I can get that next big answer, which is to help as many people as possible. Beautiful. Now, speaking of success, how do you define that word success, Jen? What does it mean to you? That's a good question. I think that success is setting a goal and reaching that goal that then allows you to take another step and make a new goal. So I think it's kind of like, you know, can you keep building on each step prior? 
can you, even if the step is not necessarily a great one, you know, if you learn something from it, if you can take something away, how can that help you build the next chapter, the next step? How can that not just settling when one goal is reached yeah. or, oh, I want to buy a house. Great. You bought the house, but now what are you going to do with that? Right. Setting yourself up progression, progression yes. through where you want to be. Yes. What would you say is one of the most important things you've learned in your life? And what was your life like before learning it? And what was your life like after you learned it? I think that one of the most important things that I've learned is from my kids, I think, is learning to be just a touch more empathetic. And I'm not saying that I wasn't prior, but I think it takes it to a whole different level when like you have a three-year-old who's throwing a tantrum and you have to kind of go, what led to this tantrum and what might they really be feeling? You know, because they can't communicate with you the same way you and I could communicate. Right. And I think having that, like even with clients and stuff, like if they're resistant to an exercise or you can tell they're just not in it fully that day or whatever, it's kind of like treating them like my toddler in that moment and going, okay, what are they talking about in life? Like what might be bothering them? Why are we having this, for lack of a better term, tantrum? in this moment? And how can I adjust to make this session still successful for you and work around that without necessarily being like, hey, why aren't you doing this exercise? <laughs> you know, and I think just by thinking of it like you would the lens of a toddler of like, okay, I know you're upset, you know, but how can we work through this together and treating, taking that to you know, relationships with adults too. Yeah. And I think that that really has helped me guide more people, especially when it comes to training in the right direction and feel better about themselves with every session. Because, you know, I feel like if you come into a session and you're in a bad headspace or something's bothering you and your trainer's like, no, you're going to do it. You're going to do this. Come on. What's wrong with you? That's only going to make things worse. Yeah. It's not going to serve either the trainer or their client. Yes. And I think that that definitely has changed with me and training since having children who you spend a decent amount of life going, now, why the hell did you do that? <laughs> Yes. Kids keep us on our toes. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what makes you feel inspired or like your best self? I think when something that I do for me is not just for me. So what I mean by that is it's kind of like, okay, we talk about self-care all the time in the female population, especially moms, like how important that is. And just taking a minute for you and you know, and I think for me, it's really like, okay, if I'm going to run my half marathon and my kids are at the finish line, that half marathon was 100% for me. But then I know secondary, it's really cool that they get to see their mom run that half marathon. It's part of their life. They're seeing that hard work, the dedication. And ultimately, it does become about them but I happen to be taking care of myself. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, exactly. Who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? 
I would say probably my grandmother for sure, because I have, and I think, you know, to an extent we all do, but I had a lot of trauma in my life as a kid and she was kind of the one support. And even if each person in the world doesn't have trauma themselves, they experience it in some form or it becomes part of their life in some form. And having somebody who can be a stable foundation and just love you for you and be that beacon of light when sometimes there isn't any, you know, she was that for me. And I think that that can really make a difference for people. Sure. Absolutely. Jen, what does the word empowerment mean to you? This is one that I think I go back and forth a lot on. Okay. I think it's one, being able to support others, not necessarily in any kind of like financial or physical way, but being there, being somebody who can listen and support. And then I think it's also kind of this intrinsic, what helps you get up every morning. And then I kind of go back and forth with combining the two a little bit. (laughs) You know, I think it just it's to me, it's something that changes a little bit per moment, maybe in a way. But I think ultimately it's, you know, being a support, being there for people, but also being your support and being there for you. Because when it all comes down to it, the only person who can help you is you. Very true. 100%. What is an unexpected blessing or occurrence in your life that you're grateful for? I always come back to my kids, but they weren't unexpected. But I guess maybe in a way meeting my husband, because I wasn't really expecting when we met for him to be my husband. (laughs) You know, that wasn't where my head was at at the time. So probably, I guess that would be the most unexpected. Okay. What does the best version of you look like when you close your eyes and imagine it? I think for me, it is feeling like I'm actually making a difference in the pregnancy and postpartum world while being there and present for my family and myself, you know, still having that self-care and stuff and just kind of really streamlining in a way how I can help. And, you know, like you asked earlier, how do we move the needle in this postpartum world? And I think, like I said it right now, it's conversations. And I'm hoping eventually there's something more specific and more like, does that mean I'm going to Congress to help? You know, who knows? But I think being able to help more than what I'm reaching right now. Yeah. Have a wider reach. That's, I mean, that's the goal, right? Is to help as many people as we possibly can. Yeah. And so for me, like being, you know, the best version of myself is being able to help from what I've learned and experienced. And, you know, if I can help one person avoid what I went through because I can help them, you know, that's a success too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, really, isn't that what we're all here on this planet for is to make a difference, to leave a mark and to help people. That's to me, that's the whole point. Why everyone is here on this planet is to support one another and help one another. I would love to be able to help as many people as I possibly can. And if we can prevent people from having to go through specifically, maybe what we've been through, through sharing our experience, then why wouldn't we? Right. You know, everything is a story and we learn from those stories and we create from those stories. And if we can share those stories, it's even better. Absolutely. 
Okay, we're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here, Jen. So the next grouping of questions should just be two, three, four word answer type thing, okay? Sure. What is one of your favorite quotes? If it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? How to breathe better. <laughs> <laughs> what is one thing you want but cannot buy with money? A, a wider reach. How would you describe yourself in one word? Resilient. What was your dream job as a child? I think a teacher. Well, you are kind of doing that already. So you are kind of living your dream job. Yeah. What is your biggest pet peeve? Wastefulness. Now, all this talk about self-care, what is your favorite self-care practice? Well, to not be cliche and say fitness, probably reading. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one lesson that your career has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their life? That it's okay to be wrong as long as you're continuing to learn. I think that, you know, there's been so many points in the fitness journey that I've been on where something I thought 10 years ago has been proven wrong now or vice versa. And you know, even like with the pregnancy stuff, I thought I knew what I was doing with both pregnancies. And it turns out I was very wrong, but I'm doing the right things to correct those wrongs. And it's not just a matter of, yes, you're right. Or yes, you're wrong. It's what are you doing about it? Yeah. What are you doing to change that? Yes. And even if you're right, like, don't stop there. Go with well, it. Go yeah. With it. Keep going. Yeah. Absolutely. There's always room for improvement, expansion of knowledge, all of those things. Yes, absolutely. In the last two years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life? Probably meditation. And not, you know, I'm not any kind of hardcore meditator or anything like that, or I don't necessarily follow. I know there are certain meditations that have names and all that, but just Taking a minute to like just listen to your body for a minute, you know, a couple times a week even has made a huge difference. What challenge in your life has shaped you the most? Well, like I mentioned before, I had a lot of trauma in my life, you know, so I think handling some of that and really finding my way despite that. Okay. If you had the opportunity to sit down and have a one-hour conversation with one woman, any woman in the world, who would it be and why? <laughs> I really like this question, but I don't know if I have a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever answer it is, is good enough. You know, I think I would be happy talking to anyone who's kind of in your first come to mind history book type thing who made a difference because I want to know how they did that and what steps they took and, you know, can I yeah. replicate that? That's a great answer. Nothing wrong with that answer at all. What is something surprising that you've learned about yourself in the past year? I think that no matter what, if I set a goal, there's not a whole lot that derails me from that. Again, speaking to your resilience. Yeah. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? I think it would be to, and I, you know, it sounds so cliche to say, be present in the moment, but I mean more of along the lines of, you know, and this is also coming from me being in a physical space all the time, but be present in the moment, but be aware of what that means physically. So, you know, if you're extremely happy and things are good, like how does your body feel? 
Where are you feeling the happiness within your body? I'm just taking like a brief moment to understand physically how your emotions in in each moment are how you feel, you know, because yeah. I think down the road as we start to age or if, you know, if you're not into working out or whatever, it doesn't matter. It still would be important to go, okay, when I'm happy, I feel it here. When I'm angry, I feel it here. And understanding what's happening to you physically as well. Great advice. Lastly, Jen, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, your corner of the world, your tribe, your people, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What words of wisdom would you impart? I really would want to try and get people to understand how important it is to stop comparing and how to have a better understanding of what to look for in influencers. You know, I think we get so caught in this, and I think this is becoming a bigger challenge in the postpartum world too, is comparison is at an all-time high. And so, you know, you're seeing the jokes of, oh, well, I'm peeing my pants when I jump way more than you're seeing like the good stuff. And bounce back culture is so dangerous for women. And you're seeing more of that because it's on Instagram. And people can filter and angle and make them look better than they are or whatever. And I think learning to let go of comparison would be the single best thing that moms can do. Love it. Thank you so much, Jen, for sharing your insights, your expertise, your wisdom. I appreciate you so much. I mean, we just got to, like you said, we've got to keep talking about things like this to get the word out there and to try and move the needle forward to help more women become aware, raise the awareness around this. It's so important. So thank you very much for being here and sharing your wisdom and, and expertise on this area and topic. I appreciate you and just Keep shining your bright, beautiful light out into the world and doing this work that you're doing. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This was wonderful. And it is 100% about the conversation right now. And, you know, women, it's okay. We've got this. And, you know, there are things you can do. You don't have to pee your pants for life. You don't have to live in pain. But we've got to start talking about it for sure. So thank you very much for this opportunity. My pleasure and my honor, Jen. Thank you so much for being here today. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Jen Landry. She is the owner and CEO of Mom's Fit Life and a postpartum corrective exercise specialist. Thank you so much, Jen. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.